You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the OR Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem, we are continuing with our series of Shirim on the unknowable head, the Reish Adloas Yada. And today what we're going to be discussing is really a hakdama to one of the essential points in the secret of the Reish Adloas Yada, which are the Sveikos that are found there. The doubts that Rav Chaim Vital received from the Arizal when it came to understanding the secret of the unknowable head. But today what we're going to speak about briefly is just setting up the orientation and the process of thinking or grasp which is necessary in order to relate to this place of Ereshad Lois Yada. Now, to be choyzer on a couple of on a couple of haktamos that we've gone through, because ultimately Ain Base Medrash Blochidish, and we're just utilizing the same information that we have to uncover new elements of the Nakuda. But what we've spoken about is that when it comes to the original Sviros in Oilam Ha'atzilus of the parts of, of Arach Anpin, of the parts of Keser, the highest place in our formation where we can orient ourselves back to the way that the beginning took shape. There's many, many stages to the beginningness of the beginning and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu emerged out of infinitude into finite Kavyachal without either losing its value. But ultimately, the graspable beginning, not the origin, not the thing that rests beyond grasp, which will always remain higher than the beginning, but a beginning, a Bereshis, implies that there's a certain graspability. It's the The world of Atsilis is already rooted in the world of Chachma. It's something that is graspable. And the first points of instantiation of graspability in that place of Olam HaAtsilis is where we talk about the world of Kesser. And we said that each part of has three upper spheres to it. But when it came to the world of Kesser, we find a, a different type of relationship to the way that we relate the tippy-top point. But there are klal. We speak about three moichen. We speak about Kesser, we speak about Chachma, and we speak about Bina. And ultimately, we're going to be going from the bottom to the top, which is the way that we grasp things. But suffice it to say, and this is something that we've shown numerous times from the teachings of the Rebbe Shlita, is that everything is composed of and comprised within these three stages of Keser, Chachma, and Bina, or Bina up to Chachma, up to Keser. That when it comes to the three stages that are really the beginning of the orientation that a human being can have to the grasp of the world of Atsilus, which in truth informs everything above it, as well as everything below it, because each stage in the Seder Ashtashalos is a chain that's reflecting that which came above and expressing onto that which will follow it the shape that it will take. And so whatever we can extrapolate with regards to one level of the Seder Ashtashalos, in particular, we can apply to all of the levels above Kavyachal as well as all of the levels below. When it comes to the Seder Shtalshalus, there's going to be three moichen. There's going to be Keser, Chachman, and Bina. Keser is going to be the loftiest place. Keser is the place where all opposites are unified because 
both oppositional forces reveal themselves to be working towards a particular expression of unity that without that particular expression and without the willingness of each other expression to work together and acknowledge the difference yet movement towards the same goal without that shalom without that tolerance of difference because we recognize that there's a unity at the heart of difference Kesser would not operate Kesser is the secret of the unification of opposites it's the unification of the paradox of something and nothing of ani and ayin as we're going to see and then you have following Kesser, you have Chachma, and following Chachma, you have Bina. Now, with regards to the Gimel ration of the world of Atzilus, when it comes to understanding where we're going to access Rashi Lois Yada, we're going to start from the three Roshin, the Gimel Tlas Moichin, the three Moichin that the Arizal describes in Shayud Aleph and Archanpin, which is what we've discussed already, and it's going to bring us up to the place of Rashi Lois Yada. So we're going to start from the lowest, the place that we can orient ourselves most closely, and that is going to be Bina. The world of Bina is the world of separation. The world of Bina is a world of disparity. It's a place of severing an original whole to bring out particular details. It's the left mind that severs an original unity to reveal all of the parts that compose that unity. But nevertheless, the descent away from the original unity is also a strengthening moment because it enables me to now examine and understand and attune myself to each and every particular so that when I put them back together, I'll have a far deeper understanding. Bina is dinan mis There's gavura, there's separation, there's severity that emerges from bina in spite of the fact that it still operates in a realm of unity. Because the severity of the mind is the splitting up of the mind from the original postulates into the details that compose it so that I can then begin to understand the applicability and the various parts. Now, bina, the descent into bina, means that I'm no longer operating with the original unified whole, which is why bina is the shame havaya, which represents an orientation towards wholeness, but nevertheless, the nekudos, the way that the shame is going to be read, are going to be the nekudos of Elohim, which represents severity and constriction and separation, meaning Bina is that operant point where we see how all of the details emerge from a particular whole, as well as how all of the details move back to its original whole. But in the world of Bina, we're still holding in the Pratim. That's why Chazal say, Bina mikla ta'a, that if a person comes to say that they understand something, then what we assume is that they previously had a mistaken way of understanding it. Not because we're silly and we can't grasp things in the right way, but because in order to grasp something, there always has to be a doubled expression. There always has to be an attempt at a grasp and then a reneging on that attempt at grasp and surrender, finding new grasp. And it's always the pratim, it's the bina. It's the tre kali lo mishtai. It's the split voices of bina that each one cannot be heard together. Each one has to be addressed singularly. Each one has to be appreciated for what it is. In the world of bina, we're operating with that auditory sense of developing my own understanding where I'm no longer necessarily validated by the clear and graspable origin. But now I am in the place of a certain element of concealment. That place, that mind is referred to as the concealed brain, the brain that rests internally within the skull. It's a place of concealment. And within that within that mind that conceals the necessity of grasp, which by definition demands a severing of original whole for the sake of developing a detail orientation, which is Avanas Hadavar, Mitoch Davar, or the emergence of Pratim. So in that place, in the Moichastima'a, what's mislabish there, what finds itself there, is something referred to as the Butsina de Kardinusa. The Butsina de Kardinusa is the, the black flame or the hard spark, the origination of Gvura within the mind, in spite of the fact that the mind is still operating in the 
oceanic sense of oneness. I'm still operating in the place of my own mind, but it's the beginning of the mind applying limitation of severing reality from its original sense of unity and descending down into the, the dark spots and the particularization and the measurements and all of these things which can be oriented towards fire. Fire is gavura. It separates things. It marks, it brings something that was originally whole back into ashes. It shows the multiplicity that very often is there at the heart of unity. It's that place of the butzina, the kadunusa, the illumination that comes from darkness because it's not darkness here. It can't be darkness. It's still operating in the place of the moichin of atzilus, in the place of the moichestima, which is the place that all birurim go to and all birurim are moving upwards from. It's the gate that rests at the tippy top of the process of having moved up from the lower places of ourselves and it's that point of interface between the limitations of the midos and the self and where we can extend ourselves beyond into the realm of moichim. It's Eim Haban Smecha, the mother, Bina, is always worrying and always focused on how it's going to be experienced down below, which is why it is this dual way bridge. It's the moicha stima, it's a mind, it's a moichin, but it's stima, it's the origination of concealment of the mind as well. It's a butzina, it's a flame, but the kardinusa of darkness. It's a hard spark, it's the revelation of gvuros in the place where gvuros are not not negative, they're not symptomatic of anything other than the infinite power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to allow the mind to constrict itself while still fully expressing its power. It's the koyach of iyun, it's the koyach of focusing the mind and closing the mind off from its expansivity in the oceanic sense, as we're going to see in Chachma, and entering into the particular force of attention in the realm of Bina. That's the Moichastima, that's the first of the Gimel Ration that we're going to be discussing, and it's the lowest of the three. It's the source of Gvuros, and it's where Gvuros go back up to in order to be Nimtak. Above that is what we refer to as the Gilgalta, the skull itself, the expansivity of the outer mind, which might be oriented towards the right brain as opposed to the left brain, which is the Moichastima'o, which is concealed within the Gilgalta. It's that smaller pocket of the mind that exists surrounded by the Gilgalta, the skull, which has that oceanic sense to it, the cerebral spinal fluid, which kind of protects the brain and gives space to more orientation towards Bittal. Here in the Gilgalta, it's much more of a rutzon. It's not the application of details. It's much more of an animation towards the unity that rests at the heart of all things. The oimir la galgalta, the, the process of the gilgal, the secret of how all things merge into one because ultimately they're coming from the same place. And one drop of water can be transported to another part in the ocean and it can be subsumed as fully as it was in its previous spot because the interchangeability of the bittal at the level of the galgalta and the secret of grasping the chachma of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, ultimate bittal to the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's going to be the Moich of Chachma. Chachma is seeing things in its grand unity. Chachma is seeing things at the level of nothingness. It's acknowledging the fact that there is an Echad Yachad Umiyuchad that gives birth to all separation. And instead of staying in the separation in the mind of Bina, which is the Moich or with the Betzina de Kardunusa within it, here in the Galgalta with what we refer to as the Avira Dachya, which is the purified air, the columns of air, the ability to float without the necessity to descend down into particularization or detail but rather to keep myself open to the fluidity of thought. That place of Chachma, that Avira Dachya, that purified air of Bittal, where a person's mind is not complicated in its confrontation with limitation, but rather it sees beyond the limitation. It assumes a steadfast stance that is capable of believing deeply and seeing in the mind's eye the secret of unity that rests beneath all Pirud. It's not paying attention to the Pirud. Avada, there's the potency of Pirud there, because already in Chachma there exists a potentiation towards Bina, just as 
as in Bina itself, there exists the unity of Chachma, as the, as the Pesukim say, Chacham Bebina, the light of Chachma as it exists within Bina, which is the unity within the Bittal, and Havin Bechachma, which is the secret of Bina, the emergence of separation as it still exists within the womb of Chach, within the realm of Chachma, which is the potentiality towards separation that exists still in the state of wholeness, which, as we know, in the realm of unity, there's an interconnectivity and an interinclusion between two separate parts, which reveals the inherent unity. So every level has the lower level and the higher level within it. So there's always going to be an interchangeable place where the Bina that exists within Chachma then gets transitioned to become the Chachma that expresses itself within Bina, revealing how these two minds are ultimately connected. The Moyach of Bina, which is separation, Havana Sadavar Mitoch Davar, which is the sense of Ani that rests within the Moyach within the concealed mind, the lowest of the three brains, and then within there rests the potency of the Butsina de Cardenus, the hard spark, that black flame that has the capacity of orienting itself towards boundary without being a tzimtzum de person, but rather seeing the boundary as a fuller expression of self, of Ezu Gibor the expression of self that comes about by self-limitation. Then we ascend upwards to the second head, which is going to be the Moich of Chachma, which is going to be in the Golgalta, which is occupied by the Aviradachia, the purified air that rests within Chachma and Bittal, and it's the secret of Ayin. So we have, when we look at Chachma and Bina, when we look at the right brain, the Gulgalta, and the Avirdachia, or the left brain, which is the Moichastima and the Butzinat Kardenusa, what we confront is a diametrically opposed system. Chachma is bittel, is ayin, it's nothingness, it's the relinquishment of control completely, it's the recognition of yichud ilah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the entire world at every moment, as opposed to the Moichan of Bina, which is the orientation towards Ani, which is the secret of yichud tata, which is the recognition that, no, I am a self, and I need to try and be myself back up to the source. These two modalities, the right brain and the left brain, symptom on the left side and expression on the right side, expansivity on the right side and constriction on the left side, the whole principles on the right side and the particular details on the left side, the vision of the mind, the re'ia of Chachma that sees all things in one fell swoop, in one glance, and it doesn't pay attention to the separation, that's in the right brain of Chachma, but the auditory sense, the shmia, which can only hear one thing and one thing alone, the symptom of the attunement of the self operating on the left side of Bina. These appear to be in stark opposition to one another. Chachma represents Bittel represents the world of Atsilus, Bina represents Ani, it represents Hishtoikukus and Ga'aguim, the worlds of separation. These two diametrically opposed things, the Moichastima'a and the Aviradachia. The Moichastima'a that houses the Butsinat Kardenusa, the realm of Bina, and the Golgalta, which houses the Aviradachia, the purified air of the mind, which is rooted in Chachma. Now the Vilna Gon, hints in a Haggah, in his beer on Safradit's news in the first parak, that ultimately the deepest secret of all things is the unity between the Butsina and the Avira, between that hard spark, that black flame of Bina that's oriented towards separation, as well as that spark of air, which is the Avira Dachia, which is oriented towards Bittal. That in truth, there is a unity between Chachma and Bina. There's always a unity between Chachma and Bina. There's always a unity between unity and what appears to be separation. But we can't necessarily orient ourselves towards how that operates, because when I'm in a Chachma mind, I can't think about a Bina mind, just as the world of Atsilas cannot descend down into the worlds of separation. And when I'm in a Bina mind, I can't think about the world of Chachma, because when I'm in the worlds of separation, I, by definition, can't necessarily be operating with a mindset of Atsilas, which negates all of the concealment of the worlds of separation from the get-go. So there needs to be Shneik Suvim HaMachishim Zetzeh, Chachma and Bina. The Bina, again, the Moichastima with the Betzina de Kardenusa, and the Chachma with the Golgalta and the Viradachia that rests within it. 
comes along the light of Kesser. And as we said already, over here, we only have a Chachma and a Bina of Arach Anpin. We don't have the Kesser. The Kesser of Arach Anpin is in truth the Malchus that doesn't appear, which we said is the secret of the Reisha Dlovasyada. It's the third mind that ascends upwards above the Moichasimaa of Bina and above the Gilgalta of Chachma, and it's rooted in the place of Keter. And in the place of Keser, what we understand is that it takes all of the qualities of Chachma, all of the bittel and the self-nullification and the nothingness and the expansivity and the general principles and the vision of Chachma, the world of Atzilas, the refinement, as well as the world of Bina with all of its constriction and selfhood and egoism and severity and, and constriction and all of those various auditory senses of the application of my understanding of the heart to the content. And instead of trying to make one admit to the other or making peace between the right brain and the left brain where one is sacrificing part of itself. The light of Kesser is the secret light that balances the paradox and reveals that without the paradox, there would be no upholding of the unity itself, that the unity is a paradoxical one because the only possibility of the paradox is upholding themselves without one giving way to the other, which is more compromise and synthesis than the upholding of a paradox or the dialectics at its standstill where A informs B and B inform A in their oppositional force, yet they hold each other up in that resistant dance to reveal the secret of unity that comes about from within the concealment of the encounter of Chachma and Bina, from within the Betisha, from within the collision between Chachma and Bina, between the Moichestima and the Golgalta between the Butsina de Cardinus, the dark flame, and or the, the vessel, which is not really a vessel because it's a revelation of a Kaddish Baruch and the Aviradachi, the purified air and the columns of air of unity in the mind and the Yishavadas, from within the collision of those two emerges a third principle, which was always there to begin with, which allowed the lower two to animate themselves, which is the secret of Reshad Lo Isyada, the unknowable head, the third crown, which is nothing but Atik Yoimin because it's the Malchus of the higher world. Kesser always occupies the revelation that Chochmah and Bina are unified because it too contains both elements within itself. It contains the Ani and the Ayin within itself. Like we said, Atik Yoimin is really just the Malchus of the higher world, which becomes the Kesser of the lower world. Atik Yoimin is the orientation towards an ancientness which is removed from grasp, that point of limit where my mind can no longer ascend upwards. But at the very same point, it's a relatable past, which means that a part and parcel of the origin, which means that it expresses itself within the system as well. That place of Kesar, that place of the unity between Chachma and Bina, between the Moichestima'a and the Galgalta, between the Butsina de Cardenusa and the Aviradachia, is the place of Kesar, of Reish Loisyada, which is not Ayin like Chachma, it's not nothingness like Chachma, and it's not Ani like Bina, but rather it's Ani the Ayin Bevas Achas. It's the two operating at the very same point where every ounce and every expression of Ani, every expression of Bina, is there to motivate a further expression of Bittal, of Chachma, and then coming to realize that I haven't been Mavata myself yet in or in accordance with what I truly can be. And so there's a new movement that pushes me further, and it's a perpetual revelation of back and forth at the very same moment, simultaneously, the Hishtoikikos of Bina, the sense of self that needs to be Mavata itself, but that's only there to uncover the deeper revelation of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's light, which is that even in the Tnua of the self, even in the movement of the mind and its own independence, 
dependence, that becomes the vessel upon which I can reveal more and more of the dependency of the mind, which is the secret that I don't know anything, I never knew anything, I don't know anything, and I won't know anything. In the realm of Chacham, a person can think that they know nothing. At least I know nothing. I could be mavat to myself. In the realm of Bina, a person can come to think that they know something. They can know Yesh. But in the realm of Keser, it's Ayin V'yesh B'vasachas. It's Chayev Inish L'Vesume. Ayin Yud Nun and Yud Shin, which is Ein Yesh. It's the secret of Vahanachash Hasieni, that the secret of the Eitzadas Tovara, which was a Pagam in that Keser, in Reish Lois Yad, because we tried to demand to know what can't be known, instead of living with what cannot be known by way of grasping it as unknowable. And so, Hanachash Hasieni, Hasieni is Osios Ayin Viesh. It's the secret of Chachma and Bina, as if there's a separation between the Ayin of Chachma and the Yesh of Bina. And then on Purim, where there's a rectification of those Mochin, because we reach that place of Adulayada, whether by way of intoxication or by way of sleep, however a person reaches the place of not knowing, and in that place, it's a tikkun of the chet of the nachash, which is anachash hasieni, which is ayin and yesh, the severance between chachman bina, and it's the revelation of chayev inish lebesume beporya adeloyada. That inish, the ayin and the yesh, the chachma and the bina, the moichestimao, which is the yesh, which is the bina, which is the gvura, the butzinat kardinusa, the emergence of concealment and intensity and the spark that hits when two things hit together. Re revealing a collision that gives birth to more of itself, as well as the air and the aviradachi of Chachma, when both of them, Ayin and Yesh, are together to reveal that Adeloyada, in the light of Keser, we reveal the unity between the two of them. Reish Lois Yada is the unity of Aniva Ayin Bevasachas. It's the secret of something and nothingness at once. It's a secret that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is above and is below at once. And that's as we discussed, it's the secret of Malchus Agnuza Beradla, that Malchus, which is the lowest expression, the Yesh, the Bia, the Bina, all of it reveals itself to, in truth, be rooted all the way above in the place of Chachma and above, which is the secret of Ayin, which is the secret of Bittal. And they reveal the possibility of Bittal with Hishtokakus, Bittal with Hishtokakus, and Hishtokakus with Bittal of being a self that is only there to reveal more and more that I'm not a self and, and not being a self that descends down into the sense of being a self so that I can draw it down into the lower places and experience it over and over. The secret of Rashid Lois Yadda is that place, it's the limit point at which the malchus of the higher world reveals itself to inform us that we know absolutely nothing and all that we can possibly even begin to know is limited in relationship to that which we don't know and it allows that notion to descend down into the Seder Ashtalshalus, it emerges as the Keser of Arach Anpin. It comes down into the world of Atsilus, which is drawing down the lights of an ancientness that cannot be grasped, yet allowing it to be drawn down into graspability. And that's what I want to try and talk about today. Ultimately, all of this is to say that when it comes to Reish Lois Yada, when it comes to the orientation of the mind towards the Daga of Keser, so everything about Reish Lois Yada and the splitness of it, and the paradoxical upholding of the unity that exists within it, and that unknowability, as we're going to see next week with regards to the Sveikos, with regards to the doubts, everything about Reishad Lois Yada is expressed and reflected in the way that we grasp Reishad Lois Yada. Meaning to say, we're going from Baal Shem Tov to Arizal and from Arizal to Baal Shem Tov. From the Arizal, what we're doing is we're discussing the ideas themselves and the shape of the ideas and how they function in an ontological sense. And then from there, we have to go down into extrapolating it into our own minds and to find that place within ourselves, which is the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov, Akadosh. How do I experience this? And then once we can understand how we're experiencing it, 
through the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov and the Gra, and then Bibasari then we can go back to the ontology of it. Then we can go back to the Torah of the Arizal and now read it within the Osios while experiencing the thing itself. So it becomes very human and not human at the same time. It's Adam below Adam. It's the secret of Chachma, which is low Adam, which is the bittel of the self, and Bina, which is Adam, which is the application of the self. And it's drawing both of them together into the light of Kesar. And so if everything about Rishad Lois Yada is unknowable because it contains both the limit and the unlimited, it contains Chachma and Bina within it, it contains Ani Ayn within it, that means that whenever I'm grasping it in one way, I'm not grasping it in the other way. Because generally speaking, that split orientation of something and nothing, of bittel and hishtoikikos, of yearning and trying to let go of all yearning and trying to let go of all identification with self, generally speaking, those two cannot be experienced simultaneously because when I'm a self, I'm a self, and when I'm not a self, I'm not a self. And it's very difficult to find or nearly impossible to find that unified place where both are operating in a simultaneous force. But... Just as Rashid Lois Yada represents that ungraspable unity of a paradox that somehow, some way, gives birth to more than what it can rationally or theoretically give birth to, so too the mechanism of the mind that needs to access that, because that's the secret of the Rashid Lois Yada within the self. The secret of Rashid Lois Yada within the self is coming to terms with the fact that generally, if I live a Chachma orientation, so I'm okay not knowing. If I live a Bina orientation, then I need to know. But those two appear to be opposites. In the light of Kesser, what we come to understand is that I don't know and I know at the same time. I know that I don't know. Meaning to say that my not knowing is not an ignorance that reneges on any attempt at knowledge, but rather it's a knowledge that pushes itself to the limit, at which point it comes to grasp that it cannot grasp anything. But that not grasping anything is not ignorance that now deletes all of the previous levels of attempting to know, but rather every element of trying to know the previous process of Bina is now illuminated, illuminated each and every moment of cognition, each and every moment of grasp, each and every prat that we thought we knew is now illuminated to the degree that it exceeds itself because now all of that knowledge is revealed to just be working at the service of faith, of not knowing. So it is a way of knowing and not knowing at the same time, meaning to say that the only way that we can come to grasp Kesser is to know that we can't grasp it. Unlike things that we can't even know that we don't know, like the infinite itself, Kavyachol. So then the not knowing is not a way of grasp because I'm simply unaware. I don't know. I have no access to it. Over here, it's the lip of existence. It's the edge. It's the reshad lois yada. It's the limit point at which the mind is forced to bounce back off of itself, back into itself, into the place of Chachman Bina, instead of running upwards into infinitude, as we're going to see from Rabbi Nachman. It's a limit point that at the same moment, I can't reach it, but I reach it and I realize that I can't reach it. And in the real realization that I can't reach it, I am somehow reaching it. In this paradoxical place of Kesser, and the paradoxical meichen that are necessary to grasp Rashid Lois Yada, there is a shift away from what not knowing is. Not knowing is no longer the negation of knowledge, but rather not knowing is the affirmation and upholding of knowledge. I know it by way of not knowing it. It's an apophatic experience. It's it's a hasakub derashlila. I come to know what I cannot know. I come to say what I cannot say. Ah, I'm saying that I can't say it, so clearly I can't say it, but I'm saying it, which means that even though I can't truly say it, by trying to say it and not being able to say it, I am 
am in one way or the other actually saying it. I'm touching and not touching at the same time. Mati v'loi mati. Generally speaking, we see when we look at the lens of existence through Chachma and Bina, through the Moichas of Bina and the uh, Viradachia in the Golgalta of Chachma, so there's Mati, there's grasping something and there's not grasping something. There's touching something and there's not touching something. There are two polar opposites that cannot operate in unison. There's knowing and there's not knowing. There's limit and there's unlimited. But in the realm of Kesser, where we reveal that it's Aniva Ein Bavasachas and it's the Yichud of Train Hafachim on every level, what we come to understand is that the apex of knowledge is coming to the recognition that I don't know, meaning it is still an accessible point of knowledge, but the way that I access it and the way I cognitize it is beyond the capacity of cognition, meaning to say the grasp of what I grasp reveals within my mind in an, a positive way that I don't know anything. It's not a negative form of not knowing, which leaves me empty, but it's a positive form of not knowing, which which, me, which leaves me full and saturated to the degree that I don't know because I am the thing. I don't know because there's no reference point at which I can take myself away to objectify this thing to try and understand it. Understanding comes from the notion that I stand under something. There's a distinction between the thing and who I am. But in the realm of infinitude, in the realm of Kesser, where we have to be as focused on the unfathomability of all things as we are as to the possibility of the fathomability of all things, in that place we have to hold on to the fact that nothingness needs to be revealed. It's not enough that nothingness erases the mind and sends it into a complete bitle devoid of grasp. But rather here I have to grasp both at the same time. I have to access both. And the way I can do that is by accessing in a positive way the fact that I can't access something so that I have in my grasp the secret of the ungraspability of things, which means that each and every moment that I grasp, that I can't grasp it, I am animated once again to yearn back to try and grasp it, then to come to the recognition that I can't grasp it in the perpetual undulating process of Ratzavishov, Kamari Habazak, or Mati Valemati at the very same time. This moichin, this place, this secret column of Reishad Lois within the mind is the tool in which we grasp the light of Kesser, meaning to say we believe in it and we believe in the graspability even though we don't have anything to show for it. And it's over here where knowledge and faith begin to dance together, where the attempt at Yediyah and the recognition of Emunah both emerge to be the secret of faith, a knowledge of faith, or a faithful knowledge, which is knowing that I don't know, but still trying to come to that place of knowing that I don't know. Faith is the sacrifice of knowledge for the sake of belief. But in the secret of Emunah, in the secret of the Malchus Agnuza Beradla, Emunah is not the enemy of Yediyah, but rather Emunah is the apex of Yediyah. Derech Emunah Bacharti. Emunah is a world of Emunah. It's not the negation of content that I cannot grasp, but it's the affirmation of all that exceeds the human grasp and its existence in a real, formidable way that is accessible and powerful and functional and it does its work, but I just don't grasp it. In that place I live in Emuna, the idea of Emuna. It's not the sacrifice of knowledge for the sake of ignorance, but it's the upholding of ignorance as the apex of knowledge, at which point I, I dance like a person on Purim where all I have is Emuna. That Amarti Echakmeh, I thought I came to know the Hirochaikamimani. That's still a knowledge. It's knowing what I cannot know. It's a Hasagabaderach Shlila. It's coming to grasp something by way of negation. Negation is not the undoing of affirmation, but rather negation is a way of affirming something. Very 
very much like the moichen that we've spoken about so often with regards to tzimtzum, that instead of thinking about tzimtzum as the absence of presence, which leaves an empty void in its space with nothing to grasp and only to wish our way back to something beyond, as opposed to the real moichen of tzimtzum, which is the presence of absence, meaning there is something present, yet it appears in an absent form, which means that instead of trying to run out of where I'm at right now in the hopes of finding some secondary form of presence to fulfill the void, all I have to do is to send down into the void itself to reveal that it's just a concealment waiting to be revealed. So this paradoxical orientation towards knowledge, which is that I know something by way of coming to the limit, is the moichen that we need in order to encounter the world of Rashid Lois Yada. And nobody, nobody describes this process as well as Rabbi Nachman in the 24th teaching of Lukut Maharan. So just to read some of the words without getting too caught up in the explanation or the parenthetical explanation, but just to read what we've been talking about into the words. Rabbi Nachman says as follows, Da shi'ish or, a person must know that there is a light, that is above the nefesh, the ruach, and the neshama. It's above any graspability. It's above panimi. It's above something that can be experienced internally in a cognitizable way. The who or ein sof, and that is the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachol, which is going to be the secret, as the girl pointed out, of Reishad Lois Yada. The afal pi she'en hasechel masigotoh, and even though the mind cannot grasp it, afal pi kein, nevertheless, meaning simultaneously at the same point, redifa the running of the mind, the nature of the mind is that it will chase after it with the full knowledge that it cannot know. That's the secret of Afal Pikain. Afal Pikain in Rabbi Nachman is a hermeneutical gesture which shows that even though postulate A is true, postulate B can be true at the very same time. So even though I can't grasp it, Afal Pikain, nevertheless, the mind is still earn yearning and, and and reaching to grasp it. And through the running, as the running of the mind after that which is ungraspable is in and of itself the grasp of the mind itself. In the aspect of touching and not touching. Now touching and not touching, as we've discussed, is one of the fundamental sugyos in the Arizal as it emerges out of Oilam Akudim, which is really connected to, to Malchus as it descends downward, as we said, that Oilam Akudim is the mouth of Adam Kadmon Kavyachal, it's the Oiris which we said was the Malchus of Adam Kadmon, which is the second iteration Kavyachal of the Malchus the Sof prior to its expression in the Malchus. And so in the world of Akudim, though, and this is true by the world of Akudim as well, what we're seeing over here is that mati mati, touching and not touching, seems to be a, a durational process. Something touches and then it removes itself and it doesn't touch and something else is capable of touching, but touching and not touching are not taking place simultaneously. Over here, in the light of Rabbeinu, what we see is the Bechina of mati mati is that it's touching and not touching at the very same time. Meaning to say, like we said, that I'm touching it, I'm grasping something, but the way that I grasp it is to realize that I can't ever grasp it. Ah, I'm touching it. It. Nevertheless, that untouchability remains in spite of the fact that I'm touching it. It's that paradoxical space where both Chachma and Bina and Iva Ayin are operating at once. Because in truth, I cannot grasp it. Because it's above. So again, Rabbi Nachman is already expressing two paradoxes at once. He says that in this three lines, through the chasing after it, the mind grasps it in the aspect of touching and not touching. In spite of the fact that in truth, it can't grasp it, because it's above. So it's above and below at the same time. It's makom ha'aron enam and amida. It's the secret of the kfura of Moshe Rabbeinu, which if you grasp it, it appears that you can't grasp it, and if you can't grasp it, it appears that you can grasp it. <coughs> Vida, says Rabbi Nachman. 
And where Rabbi Nachman says is the only way to access this point of racial lois yada, of grasping and not grasping, is through the engagement with practical reality through simcha. Why? Because malchus agnuza beradla. All we have is what is right in front of us. All we have is malchus on the lowest level, which will reveal the ani, the ani of it all, the limitation of it all. But it's specifically in that unfelt place, which we don't know that we can't grasp because it doesn't appear to be infinite in front of our eyes, while in truth the shorish of it is, because the shorish of malchus is in racial lois yada, when we engage with simcha with positive affirmation and an orientation towards this world, which is saying, yes, we gain access to that place of the unfathomability of mati v'loi mati b'vasachas. And Rabbi Nachman continues, and we're skipping a few pieces, and he says that this place of keser, this place of mati v'loi mati, this place of reish lois yoda, is the aspect of the eheye imcha v'evarechacha, that I will be with you and I will bless you. It's always a future orientation. It's I will bless you, because keser, the light of reish lois yoda, is still beyond our graspability, which is the secret that Rabbi Nachman explains elsewhere, is that the crown, keser, the highest place of reish lois yoda, comes from a language of patience, comes from a language of hamtana, as he describes in the sixth chapter in the sixth teaching in eov wait for me a little bit uh, because when a person tries to access a certain intellectual space of mind to explain something, let me allow my mind to be mityashev. And a person needs emuna. And this is the aspect of the panemius of the mind. But what we didn't focus on what we didn't say earlier is that when Rabbi Nachman discusses this nature of the mind to run after something and then to retreat backwards, what happens is, is that the mind at this point is uncovering the possibility of sparking something to come into existence. The mind is running upwards and then it's retreating backwards. The mind is hitting the ceiling and then retreating backwards, coming to know the ceiling, but also know at the same point that I can't know the ceiling, and then retreating backwards and then trying again. And specifically because I can never fully uncover it, it means that there's an infinite gradation of what can fully be uncovered so that the motivation towards trying to uncover it more is persistent even beyond the repetitive experience of not being able to grasp anything. So it's bouncing up and down, up and down. And it's these it's these moichen, it's these moichen, this running after the cast and not being able to catch the Kesser. This orientation that we'll have towards the secret of Kesser, which is above and below at the same time, is what is described by Rabbi Nachman as the ma'akev and the miyashev, that the mind has a limit, there's a ma'akev, the mind is perpetually running upwards to access the infinite, the mind wants to grasp the panemius of reishad lois yada, which is the secret of panemius ha'amuna, which is the ta'anugim, the pleasure and the sha'ashuim and the playfulness that comes about when any moment in our lives, we orient ourselves towards the secret of amuna and simcha, and that secret of being okay with where we're at and trying to work from that place and to move forward, that we hit a limit point, it hits the ma'akev, it hits the ceiling, but instead of us sacrificing our quest and saying, oh no, I can't reach anything. I might as well live without insight. What happens then is that the mind retreats back inwards and it's miyashev itself. And then we gain full access to the moichen of Chachman Bina. Then we gain full access to the world of the Golgalta with the Aviradachia, the orientation of Bittal and Chachma, as well as to the Mochastima with the Bitsin of the Kadenusa, which is the secret of Bina. Only through running upwards and trying to access the inaccessible and retreating backwards with the full knowledge that there is something that will perpetually remain inaccessible to me 
me. That's where I draw down the capacity to be miyashiv my moichin, to elevate now my experience back up to that place of moichin, of chachman, bina, through separation, refining separation, being mavatil at all to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and uncovering the secret of Ratzon, of Rashid Lois Yada, that in spite of the fact that it can't be accessed fully, it is perpetually there. This process of mati v'loi mati, kamari habazek, of the ma'akev and the miyashiv, and being masadir the moichin, this is the process that we spoke about last week when we spoke about the spheros of the world of Arachanpin. Every part of has ten spheros in it. The problem with the Kesser of Oilam Atzilus, we said, was that it's missing Malchus. And the explanation that we gave from the Arizal is that in truth, Malchus is rooted in the Reshad Lois Yada. That means to say that in the world of Arachanpin, all we have is nine original spheros and the infinite light of Akadish Baruch, which expresses itself through Reshad Lois Yada, which is the unknowability of all things, which then descends downwards to operate as the Malchus, which is the ground of being itself. Meaning to say that the unknowability of the ground of being itself is ultimately rooted in the unknowability of the highest level of Rashid Lois Yada. But in that place, the Zohar Kaddish and Parshas Noach and Parshas Bo, as Rabbi Nachman describes, refer to those nine Heichalin, Heichalin, these nine chambers, which are not really chambers. In the place of Keser, it's an expression that is not yet quite an expression. It's the process of emergence, which has not yet fully emerged. It's a Metziah Sha'inabah something that exists, but it doesn't yet exist in the way that we typically grasp existence, because it's in the process of coming into being at every moment. The I am prepared to be. When a person accesses Kesser, it's never fully there. It's always the revelation that at the lip of my experience, at the lip of my grasp, there are infinite vistas that remain for me to try and grasp. So it's bitl and grasp at the very same moment. These teshahechalin take place, they form the chamber of the mind to access Kesser. These nine Heichalin, which are not really Heichalin because the ideas that I'm trying to grasp are not really ideas and the place that I'm trying to orient myself to is not really a place that I can ever live at, but I can live in that place of trying to reorient myself back to that place in spite of the fact that it's not a real place. It's real and not real at the same time. It's Aniva Ein Bevasachas and it's these nine chambers of the mind which are not truly chambers, that place of ethereality, that place of imagination which is real and reality which is imaginative, that place of Ratzon and Tainug, of the dance between pleasure and desire, desire and pleasure, which can only be accessed in the unknowingness and the faith that represents itself farther, farther down the number line in the Malchus, the Malchus of it all. All of that is emergent from this process of hitting the ma'akev, hitting the limit, and retreating backwards, yet the limitation was not a denial of access, but rather a beckoning to re-access that which is inaccessible over and over and over again, to gain sparks of that experience, to realize, odpam, odpam, I don't know, I thought I knew, I don't know, I thought I knew, I don't know, to transform from yidiyah into emuna and to sacrifice it all for the sake of emuna, which is the secret of tzadik be'emunaso yichyeh. And this place of the ma'akev and the mirdaf, the mind running after something and then reaching the ma'akev and then retreating back down and finding the sidor of the moichin and the arrangement of the mind to create some graspability in this world, that's the world of Reish Lois Yada. And that's going to be the way that a person accesses these sugyos. Because as we're going to see next week, Amir Tashem, when it comes to the heart of Rashid Lois Yadda, which is that, as we said, the very definition of how I grasp Rashid Lois Yadda is also the essence of Rashid Lois Yadda, and the essence of Rashid Lois Yadda is how I grasp Rashid Lois Yadda. And what we're going to discuss next week, Bezra Hashem, are the sveikos of Rashid Lois Yadda, the doubts of Rashid Lois Yadda, because these doubts that Rav Chaim Vital com comprises and composes, these five doubts with regards to how is Rashid Lois Yadda actually operating, how is the Mayach of the Nukva, the Atik Yerimin operating after Shvira in the world of Tikkun, what we find as opposed to 
Rav Chaim Vital nearly everywhere else where he tells us what it is, where he's conveying what he receives from the Arizal and expressing it in graspable terms, in the heights of Keser, in Shar Yud Gimel, the light of unity, the light of unity in Shar Atik, I'm sorry, Yud Aleph, which is Arach, no, Shar Yud Gimel, which is Arach Anpin, Shar Yud Gimel in the Echad, within the Nun Shari Bina of the Eitz Chaim, over here, where Rav Chaim Vital switches to is the recognition that I don't remember. I don't know exactly what I heard from my Rebbe. There are Sveikos over here. And not only are there Sveikos, it's not an accidental form of Suffolk, as we're going to see. It's not, I thought I knew, and now I don't know, and clearly I don't know anything. But what Rav Chaim Vital describes in terms of Reish Lois Yada, or the Sveikos, the doubts that surround Reish Lois Yada, is that Yesh Oid Sveikos Bego Veloizach there are more sveikos in this, and I have not been zeichet to it. We're going to see how the inner content of Rish Loosyada is the way of grasping Hakadosh Baruch Hu by way of Suffolk, which is the birthplace of Emuna, and it's also the birthplace of the Shashuim and Sipo Kapnimi. But right now, we're just talking about the Moich and the Lamdis necessary for reaching these places. In describing, in describing the sveikos of Rish Loosyada, Rav Chaim Vital writes as follows, and this is in Shar Yud Beis. He says, "Klal ha'oyla Everything that comes out from our study of these ideas is that the reason, as a result of these sveikos, we refer to Atik Yoimin, that place of the Malchus of the lower world, which becomes the Keser, Reshloasyad of the higher world, which allows the Chachma, which is the, uh, the Golgalta, and the Avirodachia, and the Bina, which is the Moichas and the Butzina de Kardinusa to operate in unison. The reason it's called Reshloasyad is because Ein Noide Ma Bechinas Yeshba. We don't know. We have sveikos with regards to what composes it. And now Rav Chaim Vital shows that this is not. Not simply a suffix of the Arizal. This is not simply a suffix of Rashbi. This is not simply a suffix of the Tzadikim in Pnimiya Satora. Vihine Yeshaya Hanavi Alav Hashalom. Yeshaya Hanavi, as the Ramak points out to us, Nistap Gugambe Elu Hasfekos. Yeshaya Hanavi also had these doubts. Va'alehem Remez, and he gave a hint to them in this pasuk. Vihispia Betzach Sechos Nafshecha, and you will be satisfied in the thirst of your soul. V'Darshu B'Zoyar, and we're going to see next week in Mir Tashem in the Zohar Kadosh, and based on the Sechos of Radla, what exactly those Tzach Sechos are. Tzach and Sechos, the three doubts that ultimately a person has when it comes to grasping. But for our purposes, we see that this orientation towards Rashid Lois Yada, when Yeshaya Navi wanted to orient himself towards this place of Aniva Ayn Bevasachas, of the unity between the Butsina of Bina and the Avira of Chachma, to the flaming nature of expressivity and limitation and concealment and force of Bina, as well as the oceanic, airy sense of Bittal and Chachma, the unification that takes place, Mibain Shnei Akruvim, is going to be oriented towards the Pasaka of Vispia B'Tzach Sechais Nafshecha. Vispia B'Tzach Sechais Nafshecha. And we're going to see from the Ramchal Ezra Sashem, but right now we'll look at Rav Menachem Mendel of Shklov, why is it specifically this Pasuk? The Pasuk, generally speaking, seems to imply that you're going to be in a state of drought and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to satisfy you in that state of doubt. But the way that Rav Menachem Mendel, Rav Menachem Mendel of Shklov says, I was thinking Rav Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, because ultimately the two of them are very often saying the same thing, which is why this beer of Mayim Adirim on the Idrizuta from Rav Menachem Mendel of Shklov was on the desk of the Divrei Chaim of Tzad Shlusi for his entire life, and he would learn from it from day to day, because he thought the story goes that it was from Rav Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, because ultimately the Gra and the Balshemtov are really saying the same thing. 
And over here, he says, instead of reading it as you're in a state of thirst and you need to find satisfaction to that thirst because otherwise you're going to die in drought, what we see is that the drought itself is the satisfaction. The hisbiya, how are you going to find satisfaction? In the thirst of your soul. Why is there always going to be a thirst of your soul? This is the third unknowable head, as he says in Maya Madiram Andaf Yud Zayin. It's the secret of the Gimel Tzachzachos. It's the secret of the Sveikos. A person cannot fully come to grasp that place because the true grasp of the Sharhanun is the recognition that there is an infinite gradations of another Sharhanun, another Sharhanun, another Sharhanun. It's not revealed beside me and the secret of who. Me is gematria 50 because it's the 50th gate. Now again, saying who is not saying I'll never have a hope of understanding who. It's continuously asking who in spite of the fact that I can't fully know who. It's the me and asking over and over. Me bara That's the secret, the questioning and the desire that rests the heart of the neshama, which is the secret of the purpose of knowledge is coming to the awareness that we cannot know. But what we don't know right now is ultimately always going to be there. Be satisfied in the thirst of your soul because through grasping that you'll never be fully satisfied, what I now think I know will be revealed to be what I didn't know in the next moment of revelation. That it's always going to be a process like this. It's always going to be a process of yearning that I will never be satisfied. The only orientation towards satisfaction is the recognition that there will be a perpetual bikush. There will be a perpetual process. Now again, we will be able to scrub away from that process of bina all of the symptoms of what it means to be a bina de kamensh who only lives with bakasha because over here in the light of keser it's searching, searching, searching yeah, with the bitl of chachma. It's the radical secret of mati v'le mati b'vasachas. So there's a calmness at the heart of Rashi Lois Yada. As the tzaddikim said that when it came to trying to be mavatal amalik from our lives, a segula to this is to learn the sveikos of Rashi Lois Yada. And as we come closer to the sugyas of Purim, to Adar, which is the secret of Rosh Tevos, Rosh Lois Yada, and we access this place of unknowability in our minds, we begin to really come to understand that not knowing is not a form of ignorance, but rather it's the deepest form of knowledge. It's the knowledge of faith. It's making the decision to let go of all complications of self, all egoisms, and to sacrifice it all, to give it all over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that secret of not knowing. And Ezra Sashem will be zolchet to cultivate more of the midah of Malchus, Hagnuzah Baradlah, but specifically the way that we're going to get there is the grasp that I will know it by way of not knowing it. I will be able to say the letters, I will be able to convey the ideas and the more we say the letters and the more we convey the ideas, the more it comes into relief for us. And then, but at the end of the limud, we come to realize that it has disappeared from me. But again, that disappearance of knowledge is not now coming to say, oh, look, you wasted all your time. But rather, it's coming to terms with the apex of knowledge, which is not knowing, which means that every step of knowing is illuminated with the, the flaming desire of faith that comes about when Bina and the Butsidna Kardanusa boil the water of the Gulgalta and allow that aviradachia to begin to move upwards like the Katara smoke that goes upwards back into that secret place of Rashi Lois Yada to be Moira Mashiach Ben David Be'ezer Sashem. You've been listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the OR Podcast Network. Inward was created by Rabbi Zach Kamenetz and is produced by Zev Gavriel. The music is by Zusha. You can help support the production of this podcast by visiting us online at orpodcasts.com.